Hello. On my diverse travels around the far north of Scotland, I have been variously blown by gales of Cape Wrath, lashed by stinging rain in Ackleton Buoy, whipped by salt spray on Skye, and hunkered against the howling storms of Kinloch Burvey. But the weather systems that can blast through this tiny hamlet in the shadow of the Black Mountains is up there with the best of them. Yet, and perhaps this is just me being subliminally imbued by the Celtic spirit, there seems to be an altogether different type of rainfall here, which, even at its most intense, has a softness that feels like being flogged with a velvet glove. Whatever, there is plenty of it, so no surprise to find a myriad of springs and streams burbling down the gradients. To the west of the bog, in direct line of the prevailing weather that is tamed to a degree by being partially veiled in the lee of a slope, runs a small anonymous brook that rises a couple of miles or so in the hills behind us. By summer, it babbles innocently. In winter, it can become an alarming rush, which, running in a gorge, offers no flooding threat to us, but from which we discourage the animals venturing anywhere near for obvious reasons. When we moved here, I received information from an enthusiastic estate agent, evidently willing to gild the lily if it helped the sale, but equally evidently confusing me with a fisherman that I am not, that suggested there is some historical evidence that salmon and trout once ran up this stream. Yes, okay. Thus does this diminutive watercourse, which would pass by largely unnoticed but for my remarking on it, timelessly flush its way into the River Wye a few hundred yards to the south. Its significance is that it marks the border between England and Wales. We're all familiar with the major rivers such as the Wye, Severn, Humber, Trent or Thames, but I would not for one relish the task of cataloguing all of the lesser ones across the land, yet all of them, to varying degrees, have their tales to tell if their waters would but yield them. None more so than the bubbling rivulets that merge into a boggy morass at around 750 feet above Ordnance Datum on the Clent Hills. At least two of these streams start in Offmore Wood, with another rising near St Kenelm's Road. But the principal source is held by many to be St Kenelm's Well behind the eponymous church. Here, legend has it that the spring appeared at the very spot where, in the year 821, the boy King Kenelm was buried after he was slain on the orders of his jealous sister, or his jealous aunt, depending on which legend you favour. Anyway, rather akin to the waters of Lourdes, the waters of St Kenelm were said to possess healing powers, and the area became a shrine, with pilgrims travelling great distances in the hope of having ailments cured. The village of Kenelmstow developed around the site, but nowadays little remains other than the church. And what are the springs? Well, they merge along with others to form the infant River Stour, which, on its ensuing 25 miles jaunt through the Black Country and onwards to Stourport, was once a powerhouse of industry long before Ironbridge ever laid claim to be the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution. And, in similar fashion to my watery neighbour, it too marks the boundary between the historic counties of Staffordshire and Worcestershire, and also formed a boundary at Halzoen, once part of Shropshire. The manor in town was originally known as Halla, from the Anglo-Saxon word Hal, meaning remote valley, until it was gifted by King Henry II to the Welsh Prince David Owen, and became known as Hallas ap Owen, thence the name by which it's known today. But how's that? Mills along the route of the Stour played a crucial role in the economy. 
those at Cradley, where the star is swelled by Lutley Gutter, known locally as Puddingbrook, a mention from the 12th century, and a couple of corn mills at Kinver are recorded in the Domesday Book. Fulling mills thick and cloth made in Kinver and Kidderminster, and from the 17th century there's a proliferation of forges and slitting mills. Ironmaster Richard Foley establishing one of the earliest slitters at the Hyde in 1627. Many of the mills were concerned in the iron industry. Whittington, near Kinver, had a forge and then a slitting mill and finally a nail mill. Sometimes the mills were converted as demand varied, and the fulling mills of the 16th century, for example, would become forges or slitting mills in the 17th. The author of the classic Metallum Martis, Dud Dudley, the illegitimate son of Edward Sutton, the fifth Baron of Dudley, carried out early experiments using coal as a substitute for charcoal, and had works at Cradley. As Kidderminster began to specialise in carpet making, the stour, which not only aided the manufacture but also took away the effluent, became so crucial that efforts were made to stop abstraction of water from Smesto Brook, one of its principal feeds that joins the stour of Presswood. Not surprisingly, all this industrialisation took its toll on wildlife, and the former trout stream became severely polluted with chemicals, particularly acid from the hollowware industries around the lye. As the industries moved on or ceased, the pollution cleared, and efforts were made to clean the river. The result is that the wildlife's returning, with reports of the near-annihilated trout again being spotted near Starbridge. Another crucial aspect of the Stour was its role in navigation, and in the 1600s one Andrew Yarrington, whom I confess is a, something of a hero of mine, undertook works that could have seen cargo being brought from the great ports of the world via the Seven to Starport and thence direct to Starbridge. Although Yarrington successfully adapted some of the plans, it was abandoned when funds ran out, and it was the best part of a century later before Brindley and his contemporaries realised the dream with the construction of the canals. A lock on the Staffordshire and Worcestershire Canal, down to the Stour, at Pratt's Wharf, Bridge 10A near Starport, involved a tricky navigation that the boatmen referred to as going down the brook, and still accessed the Wilden Ironworks until around 1949. Part of Yarrington's navigation served Starbridge, but his wharf was long ago destroyed by floods, a phenomenon that still afflicts the area to this day after rainfall. But where exactly was it? Well, an acquaintance of mine, now sadly deceased, told me of the time he was working on the restoration of the area back in the 1980s, when, during piling for foundations, he discovered timbers in the river banking just off Canal Street. After investigation using the latest dendrochronology techniques, Eureka, he declared he'd found Yarrington's fabled lost wolf. But relating his story, he kept the punchline till last. The timbers were, he suggested, a full 18 feet below the level of the bank today, indicating the degree to which the star had in the meantime altered its profile. I offer no comment as to the accuracy of his tale, but it is a charming one nonetheless as indeed is the derivation of the name of the river itself. And, as per usual, with such matters, no one is entirely sure. The word stour has several roots. In its Germanic form it signifies powerful, where in medieval French it is tumult, neither of which really seem appropriate to a usually benign manifestation of a river. Some other explanation, surely. As a river designation, it is quite common, and apart from ours, there are several other rivers named Stour in England alone, 
It's also an old European name, and there are the Stour tributaries to the River Po near Turin, whilst the Stour feeds into the River Elbert. Stowers evidently do not share a common origin. Yet despite their prevalence across England and Europe, the river name Stour does not occur at all in Wales. And here is the delicious irony. It may be, if one is to believe the Victorian etymologist Isaac Taylor, that the word Stour is in fact derived from the Celtic Dur, which simply means water. <laughs> Enjoy your black country and do join me again soon for more tales from the barn.